We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me at. You know, I'm verified. You know how that goes. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, it's the middle of the week, so you know what that means. We have a special guest on the program as the Seahawks prepare to go to Buffalo to face Josh Allen and the Bills. We have Matthew Fairburn. He covers the Bills for the Athletic. Matt, what up, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing all right. Team six and one, looking hot. You know, that's uh, that's always good. You know. Yeah, I mean, Bills fans out here are you know enjoying this six and two start. It hasn't always been pretty, but you know, when you can have a six and two record and have some breathing room in the division entering November, there's nothing wrong with that. Before we get into football, Mike and I always want to hear the other side and what other teams and players, what they're doing social justice-wise. I just want to see what have the Bills done or what are they doing to bring awareness to this issue, to this ongoing issue? Yeah, the Bills, you know, made a point over the summer um, in August when they kind of got together and they were back in training camp and able to meet in person and you know, they, they wanted to find a way to, you know, go beyond words and try to take some action and, and start at home. And so they raised, a, you know, a lot of money and, and donated, you know, funds so that 4,500 homes in the Buffalo public school system could have, you know, students would have Internet. Um, and I think that was sort of the, the crux of what they wanted to get done. They've also had a lot of, um, you know, trying to raise awareness around participating in the census to make sure that those inner city schools can get the funding uh, from the state. Uh, There's obviously, you know, I think league-wide been a huge push uh, to get people registered to vote and, uh, you know, get people out participating. And they haven't really, you know, shied away from that at all. Uh, Jerry Hughes in particular has kind of been out at the forefront of that, really 
vocal in the last few weeks. It wasn't just a one-time reminder. They've kind of been uh, hammering the point home to make sure that people know to vote. So, you know, but between, you know, a mix of, uh, you know, donating some of their money, donating a lot of their time, um, you know, they're constantly visiting the boys and girls club, um, you know, down in the, the city of Buffalo. So really, you know, you know, this is a team that spends a lot of its time in Orchard Park. They practice and play in Orchard Park, uh, you know, a suburb about 25 minutes south of Buffalo. But they really want to, uh, you know, make a point to have a presence in the whole community and in, in the city. And um, they've done that with their money and their time uh, the last few months. You know, and then some uh, some Seahawks players here have you know done similar things, and one of the, the things that they've been doing is uh, wearing names on their their helmet decals, whether it's victims of just racism or police brutality. Uh, has Buffalo been uh, guys been doing that as well? Yeah, they have. They they you know have a, a wide um, you know variety of of names and, and of, you know, victims. And I think, you know, too, that, um, a lot of it's personal for, for these guys, right. It's a guy from their, you know, hometown or, or somebody that, uh, you know, a, a certain story that's really hit home with them. And you can tell that the guys are, are taking it, um, you know, pretty personally and, and trying to really make a statement. And they have also been staying in the locker room for the national anthem. Uh, you know, that's been a consistent uh, theme for them throughout the season. So um, I know a handful of teams have done that. And, you know, every team's kind of handling differently, but that's what the, the Bills have been doing. All right. Well, let's just get ready for some football. We have a fun matchup coming up on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, Seahawks and Buffalo Bills, that is. I want to just know off top, have the Bills surpassed your expectations, whether it be win-losses or the play of Josh Allen? What have you seen from this team so far this season? You know, it's weird because in the first month of the season, Josh Allen and this offense far exceeded my expectations. Uh, They played at a level that I was not sure that they were capable of playing at. Josh Allen in particular – was off to a crazy start um, really only matched by a few quarterbacks in the league uh, one of which the guy you guys cover Russell Wilson uh, but in the last month the team has really cooled off uh, especially on offense they haven't been putting up nearly as many points Josh Allen hasn't been quite the same guy throwing the ball down the field and as a result you know they've you know lost a couple of games the defense hasn't played particularly well this year, so there, there's been some inconsistency with this team. They're still six and two. I don't think that's far exceeding what you know a lot of people around here expected after a ten and six season last year and a similar start last year. In fact, um, basically they've they've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they've lost to the two really good teams that they played in their conference and the Chiefs and the Titans. So. Uh, it's been a mixed bag for this team through eight games, and we're still trying to figure out, I guess, what the real version of this team is. Because if it's if this offense can be anything close to what it was in the first month of the season, they could have a pretty dangerous team. But if it looks like it, it did in the last month, then uh, I think they're going to be pretty similar to what they were in 2019. And Matt, this is your first time joining us on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Appreciate you doing so. Uh, one of my like ongoing things that I do every week when we have a guest is I ask uh, the same question um, about the same position. I'm going to ask you this as well. Is Josh Allen good? Man, um, <laughs> that's a, uh, that is a, a convoluted question. <laughs> um, 
I don't really know yet. Uh, I think I think he's good. Uh, I, I think at this point we can, um, you know, he, he can hit that baseline level. Even, you know, this year his bad games, his down moments have not been as bad as they were last year. Uh, in the first month of the season, he looked great. And I don't think we can say that that is who he is just yet. I do think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a passable quarterback. But the Bills are in this middle ground of trying to answer that all-important question of, is he good enough? Mm. Is he good enough to get you not just to the playoffs, but to a championship? And is he good enough to make you a contender basically on his own? Um the way Russell Wilson does with the Seahawks, right? The, there's a certain level of quarterback that it almost doesn't matter what's happening with the rest of the roster. The team is almost considered a contender every single year because they have that quarterback. I don't think Josh Allen is at that level yet. In the first month of the season, he looked like a player who was capable of reaching that level. He was carrying this team. Uh, he was pushing the ball downfield. He was racking up tons of yards, a ton of touchdowns. His overall numbers for the season still look very good. Uh, but there have been some moments that, that give you pause uh, and make you wonder, um, not necessarily whether he's good, but whether he's ever going to be that you know, top five to eight quarterback in the NFL that he looked like in the first month of the year. You know, this I don't watch Josh a ton, obviously, just because uh, just I don't. But when I do watch him, it's very interesting. He has those moments where I'm like, oh, okay, this is th- this guy was in the first round. Like, I get that. And then he just has, like, a, almost like a brain fart, whether it's, like, just the pitch in the playoff game last year or I think he tried something similar this year. I think Did Chris, did he try to throw it on a run play? This year, like it's just moments where you're like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, has he like shed any light on why those things happen amongst all the good plays he can make? Yeah, it's really bizarre because there's certain elements about Josh Allen that are, you know, that are tough to coach in a quarterback that he has. You know, he's he's tough. He's um, able to take to coaching and make improvements and. Um, willing to stand in the pocket he's he's not afraid of making mistakes he's a really good leader um you know he's he's got some good you know improvisational skills where he can make plays off of schedule but those moments that you talk about haven't really disappeared from his game he got a lot better in the second part of the season last year at avoiding interceptions but in some crucial moments like you point out that playoff game against Houston, you know, some of those old habits, you know, kind of crept back into his game. They also have in the last month or so where he's throwing more interceptions because of the way teams are playing him on defense. So he's a guy that, you know, has, has said that he needs to kind of calm himself down. And I think that's part of why he's been a bit better this year is there's no fans in the stands here in Buffalo and, you know, obviously limited capacity in a lot of stadiums around the league. Uh, it's not that he gets nervous or uh, rattled by the crowd. He almost gets too amped up and he plays the position, um, you know, like he's almost like he's a linebacker. He, he plays with so much energy and, you know, you need a bit, bit more calmness at the quarterback position. You don't need to get it all on one play. You don't need to lateral it to your tight end in the middle of a play <laughs> to try to get a few extra yards. You know, there's there's other, you know, examples of stuff like that. I mean, he's 
putting his body on the line so consistently. I mean, it's like every play is the last play of the game, and he needs every single yard he can get. So he's still figuring out how to balance that a little bit. But at the same time, he's in year three, and to some extent, that stuff is part of who he is. Right. Uh, and I think he'll he'll start to smooth it out a little bit. You can already see that this year those bad games and bad moments aren't quite as head scratching and aren't you know the lows aren't as low as they used to be but that part of him still comes out because that's who he is it's the same guy who's making big plays because he's throwing the ball down the field or taking off and running it's the same guy who you know will get a little bit too aggressive and have a turnover i i say he's a big play waiting to happen it's just a matter of which whether the offense or defense is going to get the big play because he's always you know, being aggressive, putting the ball on the line, and putting his own body on the line. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely a big play either way. <laughs> Coming with the uh, with Josh Allen, uh, yeah, early in the year, yeah, he was letting it fly a little bit. Um, you know, uh, being that downfield threat. Like, what are teams doing differently, maybe to to shut that down in recent weeks? Teams have been playing a ton of zone coverage uh, in the first month of the season. Teams are playing a lot of man coverage and. Playing man coverage against this team is going to be really hard. It's not going to be the formula to stop these guys. Josh Allen has four legitimate receivers who can beat you. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, and the rookie Gabriel Davis. And they were carving teams up uh, when they were playing man coverage. So a lot of teams, and I think part of this was last year, Josh Allen was one of the worst deep passers in football. Um, by pretty much every metric and so i think teams looked at that and said all right let's make this guy beat us deep and once he did it for a month you know teams figured out all right we're not just going to let this guy throw the ball over the top of us and the titans started the trend of dropping more players into coverage playing more zone coverage giving him a lot of the underneath throws and basically saying all right if josh allen has to have a 10 play 75 yard drive to get to the end zone we're going to bank on you know the fact that at some point he'll probably make a mistake along the way if you make him go down the field in 10 plays he's more likely to make a mistake than if he can hit a long pass that goes for 40 plus and then the field shrinks and you know he's he's able to you know make things happen a lot easier and that's really been kind of the simple formula the patriots played a ton of dime last week and really limited the passing game he has now been he has the worst passer rating in the league over the last four weeks on passes that travel 10 or more yards in the air at the beginning of the year he was lighting teams up down the field he was you know it was a the missing element of his game last year and he found it in the first month of the season it's disappeared over the last month and a lot of it is because of how teams are playing you know more zone two deep safeties and just kind of letting them have some underneath stuff you mentioned the talent the Buffalo Bills have at wide receiver, and one guy I do want to talk to you or ask you about is Stephon Diggs. Right now, he is on pace to having career highs. Talk about what he's been able to do with a new quarterback, new offense, and just how productive he has been. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, he's a stud, man. I mean, he's he's just what they needed. Uh, you know, they, they go out and trade a first-round pick for a guy, and you almost don't know what to expect uh, because... You know, there were stories in Minnesota about him, you know, becoming a little bit disenchanted with his role or his quarterback or whatever else. You never know um, how true some of it is. But then he comes here and they don't really have much of an offseason. You know, you get the short training camp, no preseason, but they've found a way to hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, I think Josh Allen recognizes, you know, where his bread is buttered a little bit and certainly Stefan Diggs is the guy that unlocks a lot for this passing game he's one of the best deep receivers in football tracks the ball exceptionally well down the field he's also able to create yards after the catch and and able to get open really quickly um, you know at the line of scrimmage that separation ability helps the quarterback like Josh Allen whose placement isn't always pinpoint uh, and They've been feeding him the ball. And when you have Stephon Diggs on the outside and you're able to move him around, you know, they move him into the slot occasionally. and um, You know, he becomes this chess piece for you. It opens things up for John Brown and Cole Beasley, who are actually a, a pretty good one-two punch for this team last year. And then you got, you know, rookie Gabriel Davis as your number four. Uh, it just really opens up the offense to have a true number one receiver the way that Stephon Diggs is. And, uh, you know, it's it's been amazing really to see how quickly Josh Allen has leaned on him as his go-to guy. It's, it's funny, the top two receivers uh, in terms of yardage in the NFL, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, are playing on new teams. So uh, this offseason didn't really impact the ability to get on the same page with the quarterback. You said something cool about Cole Beasley, and I remember seeing a video of him on YouTube dunking the basketball, and he's only, I want to say, about 5'9", right? He's not the tallest guy. Yeah, he's at five nine. Might be generous. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm around five nine, five ten, and I feel like Cole Beasley usually looks up at me. Okay, there it is. So he's undersized, but he's a talented wide receiver. Can you talk about the acquisition of Cole Beasley as of late? Yeah, he's he's a really good player. Uh, you know, I don't think he was always used properly in Dallas, uh, and those are that's how Cole Beasley feels. He hasn't been shy about uh, saying that over the last couple of years. But in Brian Dable's offense, the slot receiver is a really important player, and he has some freedom in his routes. He has some option routes. He has you know routes that change depending on the coverage. And he's really smart about how he runs those routes. But you mentioned, you know, that video of him dunking a basketball, um, you know, just because he's tiny and, you know, he, he's not, you know, a big, strong guy. This guy is really quick and gets open and finds he's been Josh Allen's best friend in, since teams have switched to zone coverage because he's really good at finding the spots in zone uh, and finding the openings and, you know, being a safety valve for Josh Allen and Allen clearly trusts him. You know, it's a guy that, you know, 
know, when you run timing routes like, like Beasley does and routes where uh, you have some freedom, it takes a little bit of time to get on the same page with the quarterback. And you saw that early last year, but since then he's become a guy that Josh Allen knows he can trust. Um, he's really tough over the middle of the field. Uh, he's really just become, uh, you know, a really nice player for them. Uh, one of the better slot receivers in the league, I think. Um, you know, and a guy that, you know, even in the red zone, they look for him because he'll go over the middle and make a catch. He'll take a hit uh, and hang on to the football. And so when they, when they need a play, he's one of the guys that they look for. You know, the more I think about it, yeah, it's not that surprising. He's got some pretty productive receivers. All of these guys, just they just kind of get open, you know? I mean, it's, it's really simple, they're receivers, but... <laughs> Like, they're all just good at, like, getting getting open. And what we've seen from Josh, he definitely needs you to be open, at least down the field. Um, you know, let's switch to the other side of the, the ball really quick. You know, Seahawks are supposed to have a really good secondary this year, like top five, top three, even after they got Jamal Adams. That hasn't been the case. But when we were having those discussions, we were throwing Buffalo in there like, yeah, it's a good secondary, Pittsburgh. It doesn't seem like Buffalo's really lived up to that uh, either. Not as bad as Seattle, but why do you think the Buffalo secondary hasn't come together the way maybe people thought it would in the offseason? Yeah, it's, it's a big question around here. And, you know, it is tough to play defense in the NFL in 2020 with the rules and everything else. There's, uh, you know, empty stadiums. Uh, there's some factors that are causing points to go up across the board. Uh, and that's, it's tough to sustain, you know, defensive success the way the Bills have had over the last few years. They have a lot of the same players. You know, they have Tredavious White at cornerback, Micah Hyden, Jordan Poyer uh, at safety, you know, one of the better safety tandem, tandems in the league over the last few years. Uh, they've had some problems at number two cornerback. Josh Norman's gotten hurt. Uh, Levi Wallace was banged up for a while. He's back. But, you know, that's been kind of a revolving door over at that number two spot. Their nickel corner spot has been a problem. Um Taron Johnson is a guy that can can really get beat um, in coverage. He's a good run defender, but he's struggled in coverage, and teams have targeted him a lot this year. So I think that's part of it. Also, last year they played a really weak schedule as far as the quarterbacks that they faced. They didn't have to face a lot of the top passers in football. That probably helped uh, the perception of that unit as a whole. But I don't think Tredavious White has been quite as good as he was a year ago when he was an all-pro. Uh, the safety tandem, you know, hasn't been great. Jordan Poyer's playing pretty well, but they're not making a lot of big plays. And then the other thing that doesn't help them is, you know, Matt Milano, their top cover linebacker, has been, you know, banged up this year. First a hamstring, now a pec injury. Tremaine Edmonds, their middle linebacker, has been banged up. That all plays into the passing game as well because they haven't gotten the contributions and coverage from their linebackers that they're used to getting their pass rush has been somewhat inconsistent. So there's problems all over this defense and they're showing up on a week to week basis. The run defense has probably been the bigger problem, uh, but the pass defense just hasn't been targeted quite as often, frankly. And they, they when they played the chiefs uh, a few weeks ago, they basically sold out to stop the pass um, you know, that was their excuse for allowing 245 rushing yards was, well, you know, we didn't want to let up any big plays over the top of our defense. And they didn't, but Patrick Mahomes still completed 80% of his passes for, you know, 260 yards or so and two touchdowns. So even in selling out to stop that, they still got, uh, you know, crushed a little bit in the passing game. So it's just been, it's been a tough go all around for this defense and they're still searching for answers. 
So if they were, so how do you think they'll fare against uh, what Tyler Lockett has declared the best receiving duo in the league? I think it's going to be the toughest matchup they've had all season long, and that'll probably be true for a lot of the teams the Seahawks face. Uh, the, the Bills played the Chiefs, like I mentioned, and they they handled Tyreek Hill pretty well. You know, they they limited him, bottled him up. I think he had like three catches for twenty yards or something. Um, but Travis Kelsey got loose a little bit in that game. And like I said, the Chiefs ran for 245 yards. They didn't really need to throw the ball. Against the Seahawks, it's such an interesting matchup because Tyler Lockett could do so much damage out of the slot, and that's been such a big problem for the Bills. And you can't really have Tredavious White. You know, with with Tyreek Hill, it was like, okay, if Tredavious White follows him around and you have a little bit of help with him, you should be able to lock him up. But if you do that to the Seahawks, you know, you still have to deal with uh, Tyler Lockett. If you do that with DK Metcalf, you got to deal with Tyler Lockett. If you do it to Tyler Lockett, you got to deal with DK Metcalf. So I don't think the Bills have a cornerback. And this again, this is probably true of a lot of teams, but I don't think they have a cornerback that can really match up with DK Metcalf. Uh, the guy is a crazy physical talent uh, with the size and speed that he has. And those haven't been the, the receivers that – Tredavious White has handled the best uh, over his career. So they'll probably play a lot of zone coverage, um, you know, probably hope that the Seahawks don't run the ball too much and, and just, you know, drop extra guys back. But they don't really have the personnel, in my opinion, to match up um, with this group of receivers. A year ago, maybe I would have, you know, been a little bit more confident that they could come up with a plan to scheme around it. But, you know, the weather is going to be pretty decent in Orchard Park this weekend. Russell Wilson should have time to throw. They've struggled with mobile quarterbacks, guys that can extend the play. So, you know, those big plays in the passing game, I feel like they're going to be there for the Seahawks. And uh, I think Lockett in particular should have a pretty easy time getting open. Yeah, I wouldn't even feel bad if I was the Bills. Like, if you're just watching tape and you're like, man, we don't have anybody to guard 14. It's like, you know what? No one does, coach. Right. <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of – well, actually, no, I won't say no one. The Cardinals apparently do. Patrick Peterson has held DK to two catches in two games and and a pick. So maybe that's it. So I, I think if you're listening here and you're worried about fantasy implications, sounds like Lockett might be the uh, uh, a good a good play uh, this week. Um, I want to talk about a former Seahawk um, – Friend, of, not friend of the show because he hasn't been on, but definitely just a cool cat to chop it up with. He's a sneakerhead like me, signed with Buffalo. It's defensive tackle, defensive end uh, hybrid, Quentin Jefferson. Um, how's he been doing up there in his first year in Buffalo? You know, he's been fairly quiet, kind of, you know, relative to what I think people expected. But the problem Quentin Jefferson has had is that he hasn't really gotten to play the role that they envisioned for him because they've had injuries and, and opt-outs on the interior of their defensive line that have caused a lot of pieces to move around. And I feel like he hasn't quite found his home on this defensive line with just a consistent role. He's had some good games um, and he's had some good moments, which is true of a lot of the individuals on um, you know the Bills' defensive line. But um, you know it's also been a little bit up and down. He's been a little bit banged up, uh, but he has had some good games. He's been in the backfield fairly consistently, and like you mentioned, he is. Uh, unfortunately, we're not in the locker room this year, but even over Zoom, you can tell he's 
he's a fun guy to, to chat with, real engaging, brings some energy up front that I know they really appreciate and needed after losing Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips in free agency. Jefferson was kind of just the type of guy that they needed, along with Mario Addison, to you know replace that energy and bring some juice to the defensive line room when – like I said, you don't have crowds. You don't have you know a lot of the things where you can usually get externally motivated during a game. You need some of those those guys that can you know bring that bring that type of energy. And, and Jefferson's definitely been one of those guys. You know, Chris, I just realized when, when we were talking about Cole Beasley, I was like, man, when you said he hooped, I was like, yeah, man, that's right, he can play basketball. But I was like, doesn't he do something else? It's like I I feel like I remember. And I was like, oh, he raps. Oh, Did you know Cole Beasley raps? You sent me something last season, I'm pretty sure, about him rapping. Yeah, yeah. Matt, have you heard Cole Beasley rap? I have. I have. It's not terrible. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not the worst I've ever heard uh, for, a, for an athlete. He takes it pretty seriously. He puts a lot into it. And I know he had a new album out last year, I think, um, right before the start of the season. So... He puts a lot into that. He's uh, yeah, he's got some layers to him. That Cole Beasley. Yeah, this this might be the most musically inclined receiving matchup in the league because DK Metcalf also raps. He's made his debut to the rap game this year. He hasn't dropped a project yet, but he's got a couple guest verses. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, someone else, <laughs> Tyler Lockett, is a rapper slash poet uh, slash poet. Yeah, he's he just dropped the uh, audio version of a poetry book he dropped last year. Like, yeah, I need to. I'm gonna get on Zoom this week, uh, Matt. We, you should ask Cole Beasley about it. I'm gonna see if I can get DK to. We need like some friendly trash talk between the rappers on this team. Like, we can we get that going this week? Oh, that's a great call. Uh, Cole, I'm sure Cole will, uh, will not shy away either. I think he's got he's got a fair amount of confidence in, in his rap game, and I, you know, I think he he surprises some people when they they turn it on. Um, he's he's pretty good pretty good in that uh that department so yeah we we definitely gotta we gotta spark a little rivalry heading into sunday i'm i'm sure cole beasley's been surprising people in just his whole life just like when he get on the field uh when he gets on the basketball court and then he starts rapping where's cole is cole, where's cole beasley from man i'm about to look that up real quick he's from texas uh, oh it makes okay. sense now <laughs> went to smu and uh yeah he actually like gets kind of angry about it like when he first signed with buffalo there was you know somebody that saw him out in public was like man he looked just like me like he's, you, know, <laughs> five, eight, you know one you know however heavy he is he's tiny uh and he does just look like a normal dude when he's walking around he's like five eight one seventy five um it basically looks like me and <laughs> uh, you know certainly uh, a lot faster a lot quicker uh incredible athlete um you know and, and you know just a really smart player but yeah he's he kind of carries that chip on his shoulder because uh people people have a quick judgment of him yeah no he's he's breaking a lot of <laughs> i just i like i just typed in cole beasley dunk just on google that's it and the first thing that comes up is white man can jump cole beasley <laughs> on youtube i'm sure that does that does set him off uh we're gonna, we're gonna close it out with uh, some of our favorite part of the show we don't always do an over under uh, and we also have a game prediction from the opposing team beat rider. We'll start with the over-under. We're going to do two. I couldn't decide, so we're going to pick both. First one is over-under seven and a half catches uh, for Stephon Diggs. I'm going to take the over. But man, that number has gone up. In games earlier this season, he was around like three and a half. It was like the easiest money you could make um, hitting the over on that. Seven and a half is a more appropriate number, a lot tougher to bet on. But he gets targeted a lot, and 
I'm guessing the Bills are going to be playing, you know, catch up at times during this game. It's going to be one of those games where they have to throw a lot to keep up with the Seahawks. So I'm going to take the over on the seven and a half catches. All right. Uh, let's go with uh, next is passing yards for Josh Allen, 270 and a half. That's a good number, too. I'm taking the over because if, I, if I'm if i taking the over on Beasley getting eight catches, that probably should help Josh Allen get a good chunk of the way to 300 yards. And if the Seahawks do to the Bills what I think they will, then he may just rack up close to 300 yards, you know, playing catch-up most of the game. So I think he'll hit the over. It might not be the prettiest game for Josh Allen, but I think he'll get some yards. Yeah, the thing about Josh Allen is I don't, know, I don't even know if I want to see a pretty game. I just want to see the full Josh Allen experience. It's almost like when they played Jameis last year, and I was disappointed because Jameis didn't throw an interception, which is weird as that sounds. I just wanted to see him do it. <laughs> I wanted to see Jameis throw three picks and three touchdowns. <laughs> like, I wanted the full Jameis Winston experience. Uh, we'll close this out with a game prediction. Who you got? I've got the Seahawks winning this game and comfortably covering that spread. I think they'll win by 10 points. I'll say 38-28. Mm. Um, I, I know the Seahawks defense hasn't been much to write home about this year, but this Bills, you know, maybe that's what this Bills passing offense needs to get back on track. They were able to run the ball pretty well last week. I don't really think the offense will be a huge problem for Buffalo, but nobody's containing the Seahawks right now in the passing game. And I don't see the Bills as the team that will do that because, you know, they've had problems on defense throughout the year. I don't know if Sean McDermott, you know, has played too many quarterbacks as good as Russell Wilson. You know, they played Patrick Mahomes a few weeks ago, but uh, Russell Wilson is different and he's playing out of his mind right now. So I'm not, I'm not betting against him. And, and the way the Bills have played in the last month, I just don't think they're the team that'll bring him down. All right. I mean, yeah, betting against Russell Wilson has been a bad bet pretty much every every week. So that's that's except for Arizona. Yeah, except for the Arizona <laughs> game, and even and even then, he was like still good. Yeah, you know, the, the turnover in, in the overtime that kind of sealed it. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us. Uh, we appreciate you making your debut. Um, hey, real quick, are you verified on Twitter? I think I am. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's thanks to the athletic got me verified, or maybe it was my previous employer. Huh. Um, had to jump through some hoops. So it's just you, Chris. That's not verified on Twitter. Yes, we'll get yes, you. Th- yes. We'll get you there. We'll get you. There. <laughs> We're working on trying to get Chris a, a blue a blue check on there. Before we close out here, Matt, where can they follow you on your verified Twitter account? Uh, you can find me at Matthew Fairburn. Just how it sounds, spelled just how it sounds. F A I R B U R N. Uh, and yeah, the, the blue check mark isn't all it's chopped up to be. Uh, <laughs> so don't worry about it, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate the love, man. Uh, all right, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by the Athletic. I appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you guys tune in. We'll be right back uh, this Sunday after the Seahawks apparently beat the Bills. You see, I don't have to drive me if you say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some. You tried the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight. Showed you a couple of things and they finished trying. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag. And I tell her all you live. Yeah, you Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.